0: So I'm not in the Truman Show? Like, not everyone is just watching my all day, every day?
1: Well, I care about you and watch you every day, but... I don't believe um... that for a
0: minute. Welcome to Pennies and Popcorn, the show about real money lessons from the world of TV and movies.
1: With your hosts, Carla Cash and Robert Davidson, a couple of personal finance geeks and movie lovers...
0: So, Crazy Rich Asians. Today's episode, we're diving into a movie that hasn't had as much time to be in our cultural lexicon as so many of our other episodes have.
1: Yeah, we just did Jaws, which has been around for...
0: Almost 50 years.
1: Ever, basically. Yeah, Crazy Rich Asians is much newer. Look how hip and cool we are, just keeping up with the times. That's right.
0: We can throw it back or stay relatively current.
1: Which is so versatile. It's really impressive.
0: Yeah. Crazy Rich Asians came out in 2018. It was based on a book by the same name in from 2013 or so. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. By a man named Kevin Kwan. Okay. Good book. I enjoyed it. I read it while we were hiking the Pacific Crest Trail.
0: And you've been wanting to watch the movie ever since.
1: Yeah, I really, I mean, we couldn't really watch movies very effectively while we were backpacking. So I've been dying to watch it for a long time. We finally made it happen.
0: Yeah, and we thought there's a lot of good content there and are happy to share it with you guys.
1: Yeah, I was a big fan of the movie. I thought it was super funny, well done, heartwarming, all of the things that you can want in a film. And on top of all that, it's got some good money stuff to talk about.
0: It does. Uh, it had a lot of diversity in the movie, uh, believe it or not, based on the title. <laughs> uh, I've read that this is the first movie made by a major Hollywood studio in a couple of decades that had a predominantly Asian cast. So how's that going for
1: Yeah, and everyone in the movie is just perfectly cast and they just do a phenomenal job, which one of my fun facts for today is that Henry Golding, who plays Nick Young, the male lead of the movie.
0: Hold on, hold on. His name is Nick Young? Yeah. Okay, I'm pretty sure the vast majority of our audience is confused. When you hear the name Nick Young... You're thinking Swaggy P, right? The NBA player who uh, yeah, maybe Nick Young did well in 2018 in Crazy Rich Asians, but Nick Young, Swaggy P, won an NBA championship, I think, in 2018 with the Warriors. So not the same guy, totally different. Continue.
1: Okay, that is not what I was thinking, nor no. did I know who Swaggy P A.K.A. Nick Young. You're like a
0: 10-year NBA career.
1: Where does the nickname Swaggy P come from?
0: I think it was something about being like the prophet of swag or something like that.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. You'll
0: have to reach out to that Nick Young to find out.
1: It's taken a turn. Well, this Nick Young is fictional. He is portrayed beautifully by Henry Golding, which is impressive because this was his first acting role of any kind before that. He had been a host of a travel show, like a documentary style show, but he'd never actually acted. They Seriously? Tra- yeah. So, like
0: nothing on like stage in a big way or like any kind of TV show? No, like. I
1: don't think so. Cameo,
0: I, not cameo role, but like a really small bit part on a, you know, a TV series or something. I they don't always think need so.
1: Yeah, wow. I think this was it. And what's I have no idea. I'm blown away. Yeah, he did such a good job, right? So they were the like director. We got casting. a new swaggy p. A <laughs> new swaggy p. So they wanted him for this role, and they were like calling him and telling him, "We really think you'd be a good fit." And he kept turning them down and saying, "Look, I know the book. This is going to be a really big movie. I'm just not the guy for you. Like, I'm not. I'm not a real actor. You need a real actor." And they were like, "We really think you can do it. Come, come audition and." So, it all worked out great in the end
0: for I, I did read that they were having a hard time casting the part that they wanted someone who could do the British accent in a in an acceptable way and most of the mm-hmm. other talent that they evaluated just couldn't get that part down and align with the way the character was described in the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's naturally got a British accent, so that's a tick in his win column. My other fun fact is that Aquafina, who plays Pekalin in the movie, she literally just makes the movie. Every scene that she's in is just perfect and she completely steals every scene that she's in. So, Aquafina did an amazing job and I was so impressed to learn that she improvised almost all of the lines that we see in the movie. So that is just pure raw talent coming out of Aquafina there, just really making the movie in my my not very humble opinion.
0: Well, the movie was certainly a hit. I, I read that this was the most successful rom-com in the 2010s. So the studio did a good job putting it together, making the movie, uh, advertising it. I read they, I think they spent more than double what they spent to make the movie on advertisement, and it certainly paid off to be a commercial success. Yeah, definitely. We're talking about it today.
1: Yeah, it's a huge hit. Okay, my last fun fact. So Kevin Kwan, the author of the novel that it's based on, is actually from Singapore, but he moved to the United States when he was only 11 years old. And he is now wanted in Singapore because he did not go through the proper channels and like fill out the proper paperwork to get out of serving mandatory military service in Singapore. Even though he left when he was 11, at some age he was supposed to go back and like serve military time. And he never did that and so to this day he is wanted in singapore and i'm what? pretty sure if he goes back he's gonna potentially face charges fines maybe even jail time i don't know
0: wow i mean it sounds like the dreamers in the united states you can't really hold 11 year olds accountable for the decisions that their family makes on their behalf
1: yeah that's very true Brutal. so poor kevin kwan but he's had an okay life i don't think he's hurting too much pretty okay. successful writer
0: Well, my fun facts were basically centered around the NBA. So that's all I got. (laughs) Do you want to jump into a plot summary and start hitting all the money stuff? Uh, This movie has a lot of different money things in it.
1: It does. There's so many fun things to dig into. So super high level plot summary. Rachel Chu is dating Nick Young.
0: She's what, an economics professor?
1: Mm -hmm, At NYU. And her life's going great. She's met this really wonderful guy. He seems to be super down to earth. They're getting along great. Been dating for about a year. And he is from Singapore, and he has to go back to Singapore for a very close friend's wedding. He's in the wedding. And he asks Rachel to come back with him, go to the wedding with him, meet his family. So Rachel says, sure, sounds great, let's do it. And turns out that the whole thing is quite a bit more than Rachel was anticipating, because everyone that Nick knows in Singapore is basically... Crazy Rich, as the movie title tells you. So Rachel is walking into this whole other world that she has no idea about and never been a part of. And it's kind of just the unfolding of that story and how things develop from there.
0: Yeah. Typical rom-com, silly plot lines, goofy things, but with a ton of money. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. A ton of money, as we're going to see. So why don't we take a dive into our very first clip? As Rachel and Nick are heading to the airport to take off for Singapore.
2: Okay, game plan. Check our bags, get through security, and then we can eat one of the three homemade Tupperware meals my mom packed for us. Good afternoon, Mr. Yang, Miss Chu. Let's we'll take our bags and get you checked into first class. Right. Oh, no, there's a mistake. We're not first class. We're economy people. Can this way, please. Go with it. Come on. What? They'll be fine, just leave Nick, we can't afford this. <sighs> These pajamas are fancier than any of my real clothes. <laughs> my family has business with the airline. The tickets, they're a perk. What kind of business? Real estate, investment, other things, nothing interesting. So your family is, like, rich? Uh, we're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would
0: say. <laughs> That's
1: a good line. Yeah. So I think the first detail to talk about here is the fact that Nick didn't tell Rachel that they were going to be flying first class. And that she was maybe walking into a slightly different situation than she was anticipating.
0: Yeah, you'd normally want to be pretty open with your partner about that sort of thing, I would think. Yep. I mean... Her mom kindly apparently made three Tupperwares worth of meals for them to take with yeah. them in the airport. Which good on them. Food at the airport is stupidly expensive.
1: It really is. That's such a smart game plan. Yeah, I completely. We don't do that
0: enough. I think we should probably plan more for it.
1: I don't. Well, I don't make like whole Tupperware like full-on baked meals, but we always take a lot of snacks whenever we travel.
0: Okay, candy on the airplane is not the same <laughs> as like a sandwich or a reasonable meal. If well, it stops we should do you.
1: Better. From buying the other crap at the airport, then I think it's good, even if it isn't the healthiest thing right. you could eat.
0: So even if Nick Young doesn't tell her that he's fabulously wealthy, dude, how does she not know? Like, <laughs> what we find out as the movie progresses is he's like total royalty. Is He's in the wealthiest family in Singapore, like... Before this, there were, there were effectively spies or gossip people watching him in New York, reporting back on the status of him and Rachel to the family back in Singapore. How does she not know? I, I mean, while Nick Young, if you Google him, you're probably going to get stuff about Swaggy P. uh <laughs> If he's actually that wealthy, maybe not. You'll probably be able to find some really good stuff about him and understand that he's crazy rich.
1: Within the fictional universe of the movie, I assume Swaggy P does not exist. Oh, surely he does. But this Nick Young would exist. And yeah, he's described as like the Asian bachelor or like the Prince Harry of Singapore. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a quick Google search of Nick Young Singapore would have tipped her off to this. And she would have been like, hey, so I Googled you today. And I found some interesting stuff. This is you, right? What's going on? This is kind of weird. You didn't tell me about this. Uh,
0: It seems completely unrealistic that she wouldn't know. It's necessary for the story to work out, but totally not believable.
1: Yeah. In this day and age, if you're not Googling someone, what are you doing? (laughs) I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) So that's a, a definite kind of a plot hole, I guess, that she hasn't taken the time to punch Nick Young into Google But I guess this also raises the question of when do you get into revealing kind of financial secrets, if you will, to someone that you are dating?
0: So if you're Nick Young, you probably do need to be a bit reserved about that. You can't just go bragging about all of your family's wealth. Otherwise, you're unlikely to end up with a relationship that's going to be fulfilling. There are a lot of folks who would be happy to hang on and hitch their wagon to that opportunity that your family has to offer. And, you know, gold digger is kind of an ugly term, but I think that you have the potential to, to draw out the worst in people and have them just try to take advantage of you. If you have that much money, I think you have to be really careful and make sure that people aren't, you know, betraying you. It's, it's easy for people to do, right? We're watching, we're talking about a movie here. There are actors and actresses playing a part in this movie and people are capable of doing that in the real life as well. And you could just get duped into partnering up with somebody who just wants to take advantage of you.
1: Yeah. I'm, I mean, I've never been in this situation, but I can imagine that, you know, that poor little rich boy syndrome is kind of true. Like you, you always have that doubt in the back of your mind are people just hanging out with me because they want my money they want to go on the fancy trips with me and that's taken to an exponential degree with someone that you're in a romantic relationship with so I'm sure that that is a very real feeling that the super wealthy have to contend with and I get him wanting to just kind of shield her from all of the craziness of the family which unfolds as the movie progresses and also just you know have like a normal relationship with her where none of that gets in the way so I get it however he is about to take her into a completely different universe that she is just thoroughly unprepared for so for him not to have had the conversation with her by now I think is beyond the pale like he's he's really messing up here
0: doesn't the story make it seem like they've been together for about a year is that right Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you ought to be revealing some meaningful things about more than just you and your whole family, right? I think that's Mm -hmm. pretty relevant uh, to to have been covered at that point. And if you're disguising something at at that stage, come on, do better.
1: Yeah. I would say roughly the six month mark, if things are going really well, you're feeling serious, that's probably about the time to have a conversation about some big financial secret, whether it's, hey, I've got half a million dollars. Well, well, in hold on, loans. hold on.
0: So I, we were talking about Nick Young there for a moment. And I think, you know, if you're fantastically wealthy like that, it's different. If you're an everyday person, if you're just an average regular Joe, I don't know if the six month mark is really the right time to have an open, open, honest conversation about your financial realities. I would imagine if your financial realities are relatively normal, you know, close to average, which doesn't mean a lot, right? You could be in a fair bit of debt or you could be very successful and have a plan for, you know, extreme investing or managing your spending in a really conservative way. I think you ought to reveal that sort of stuff about yourself pretty early on, right? It's it's, your financial life is a big part of who you are as a person. And unless you have the characteristics of, of Nick here in the show, it's unlikely that people are going to be taking advantage of you.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's reasonable.
0: You don't have to go first date. Oh, by the way, I have $60,000 in student loans and I foreclosed on a house last year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I don't think you have to reveal stuff like that too early in a relationship, whether it's on that end of the spectrum or, you know, hey, I've done pretty well. I've saved a decent amount of money and I'm pretty frugal about it and want to continue to be frugal. I think... Part of it is that those things will unfold naturally. You'll pick up on how frugal people are just through the normal course of a relationship. If you have your antenna up, you should be picking up on those kinds of things anyway.
0: Certainly your actions should demonstrate your values and your financial realities. But yeah, certainly after a few months or six months or whenever your relationship is serious, it seems pretty basic that you'd want to share that information. Because if you're not on the same page, maybe you should reconsider... Uh, either getting on the same page or getting out of this because it's not likely to work out very well in the long haul.
1: Yeah, that could be true.
0: So Rachel didn't understand that he was super rich because he didn't tell her. She didn't look it up. And I think his actions didn't indicate that he was super rich.
1: It's
2: not a big deal, obviously. I just think it's kind of weird that I had no idea. I mean, you have a Jamba Juice card. You use my Netflix password. You play basketball at that Y that kind of smells. I really like that place, thank you very much.
3: And yes, my family has money, but I've always thought of it as theirs,
2: not mine. I get that, but I'm going all the way over there to meet them. I kind of just want to know what I'm getting into. And, you know, they're your family.
0: <laughs>
1: so, few things to discuss here. Jamma One... Juice. <laughs> yeah. uh, who has a Jamma Juice card? Ugh, not into it.
0: So she doesn't know that he's super rich because he doesn't do fancy or crazy things. And he lives his life frugally. He's stealing her Netflix password, which <laughs> is so common. And he's trying to get that. I don't know how Jamba Juice cards work. I assume it means like buy nine and the 10th is free or something like that. Probably. Uh, you know, she, he he goes to the Y, whatever. Like, I think these are great habits for somebody who's fantastically wealthy to have.
1: Well, I don't necessarily condone stealing Netflix password I think everyone should pay for their own Netflix password but other than that yeah I think everything that she's talking about like the general tone of hey you don't act like a super rich dude what's up with that I think what's up with that is he's not a snob which is such a great thing to be and for her I, she's not making him feel bad about it no which is good I would I would really not like her character if she were like why haven't you been buying me expensive purses? <laughs> like, and I don't think he would have been dating her because that's not kind of what he's about to. I
0: mean, she should make him feel bad at least for a little while for not being open about his life.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think he messed up in such a big way, and especially like given what happens with her meeting the family and them just not being accepting of her because she doesn't come from a rich family herself. That part he really should have seen coming and helped prepare her for what it was gonna be like. Okay. But on the topic of stealth wealth, I think Nick Young has been doing something really admirable and good. So it's awesome to live well below your means and he should be very much applauded for that.
0: Yeah, you should spend money on the things you value. So in the United States, there are about 20 million or so millionaires in the country. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, we don't have twenty million people going out there and living it up and spending every dollar and going crazy. That's just not reality. There certainly are people who who live that way. We, you know, we lived in Dallas a long time, and I remember you joking with me about was it the thirty thousand dollar millionaire? Yeah. Right. People who uh, live it up and try to present themselves as substantially more wealthy than they are. Uh, I'd much rather be the million dollar 30,000 thousandaire who, you know, somebody who has all <laughs> this money, but instead looks like you're you're relatively cheap or you know, not cheap, but you don't spend money frivolously and you use it in a way that's productive and useful for you.
1: Yeah. So just to flesh that out a little bit, the $30,000 millionaire is a kind of derogatory term for someone who earns $30,000 a year, but wants to seem like they earn a million dollars a year. So they're like specific cars that you can lease for pretty cheap, but they're still like luxury brand cars. They just don't have like all the bells and whistles that like a really high-end luxury car would have and certain like certain way of dressing, certain, you know, trendy areas that they hang out in, all of which they can just barely, barely afford, but they kind of seem more posh and high-end than they are. And I don't know what it is about the culture in Dallas where we used to live for such a long time. But, yeah, it tends to have a lot of folks who fall into that category. So don't be a $30,000 millionaire or a $40,000 millionaire <laughs> or a $100,000 millionaire. Like, you should be living under your means and saving. That's, that's the path to building long-term wealth and ultimately maximizing your happiness in life.
0: So we're not the youngs, but we're doing okay. What do we do that you know would surprise somebody? That I mean, hopefully anyone that knows us as well as Rachel is supposed to know Nick would understand their our financial realities. But you know, people who maybe know us on a surface level, see us around, think, oh yeah, they're they're just regular people. Uh, I mean, we are regular people, but you know, that <laughs> that would. Wouldn't let people know that we're doing okay? You know, that, we're, th- that people would see us and think, oh, maybe, maybe they need some help.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, we have one car between the two of us. Yeah,
0: I bet that surprises a lot of people. Yeah,
1: and it's a pretty old Prius that has been through the ringer. I mean, Priuses are nice cars, but ours is a little more beat up than average because we have driven it all the way up to Alaska and it's been through some Alaskan potholes and all kinds of traumas. Um, also we like never wash it. So there's <laughs> that. True. So yeah, we drive around in a pretty beat up, dirty car. Just the way we dress is probably, you know, we're, neither of us are big clothes hounds at all.
0: Yeah. When we were hiking on the PCT, if we sat outside of a store with like a a cup in front of us. People might have dropped change into it. That would have been <laughs> kind of amusing. But
1: <laughs> yeah, we—I yeah. mean, we have been homeless, <laughs> but that's not a fair thing to say. There—that's yeah, there are obviously people who are genuinely homeless. We chose
0: yeah, to we not have homeless, a home for a while. We certainly appeared that way to people who passing by.
1: Yeah, and we certainly smelled that way. That's for sure.
0: Well, Rachel survives her first class voyage to Singapore in style and doesn't smell uh she's got a big party she's supposed to go to and her good friend Paik? Paiklin. Paiklin who's played by Aquafina, uh gives her some advice because Rachel just she understood from Nick here that she was dating a family that was super wealthy but she didn't quite realize how extreme it was and Paiklin gives her some tips.
3: Rachel these people aren't just rich okay they're crazy rich look there's new money all over Asia. We got the Beijing billionaires, the Taiwan tycoons, but the young family, they're old money rich. They had money when they left China in the 1800s, and they went all the way down here. Not there, here. They came to Singapore when there was nothing but jungle and pig farmers. It was a snake here eating an apple. You know what I mean? And they built all of this. Now, they're the landlords of the most expensive city in the world. These people are so posh and snobby. They're snoshy. Ew. Yeah, but Nick's not like that. Even if he isn't, I guarantee you the family is. Which is why tonight, you need to not look like Sebastian of the Little
0: Mermaid.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I just love Aquafina like with every inch of my soul. She's just the absolute best. So many good lines here.
0: Those totally harsh look like Sebastian of the Little Mermaid. So she's wearing a bright red dress. But I liked it. I thought her dress was pretty and she looked great.
1: She, Well, okay, it's Constance Wu. So she's just like one of the most beautiful people. True, on planet. she always looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Like I think her little red dress that she's wearing is just cute as a button and she looks great in it.
0: She's going to a, a party before the wedding with friends and family. Like why would that not be the right outfit?
1: Yeah, well, I think it was actually presented as why don't you come over for dinner to meet my parents. She wasn't expecting like some huge soiree which is what it turns out to be with like hundreds of people at their house so again this is Nick like not being straight with her and giving her a heads up on what she needs to wear and what she needs to expect and I would be super mad if I were in Rachel's shoes but she's lucky she has her friend Paik who like knows who Nick Young is because he's like the Asian Prince Harry and she is filling Rachel in on all of the details that Nick has very badly neglected to fill her in on. So she loans her a dress to borrow so she doesn't show up looking like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid in her cute little red dress. So one interesting question that I think this whole clip brings up is the question of clothing and how much clothing does cost and how much it should cost. So what do you think the average American spends on clothing?
0: Oh boy, this is a data point I have not thought very much about. The average American, I well, mean, the average American isn't always doing super well. Uh, let's go with $2,500 a year.
1: Oh, that's actually a little bit high. All so, right. yeah. Well, that actually probably isn't high for women. Women tend to spend a lot more than men on clothes. Such a stereotype, but here we are. Um, but yeah, the average is about nineteen thirty two a year, which comes down to 161 per month. Okay. Which, to me, sounds really, really high. Yeah,
0: I don't think we spend anywhere close to that.
1: Oh, definitely not. I mean, I don't think we spent any money on clothing for the last two years.
0: No, that's not right. I bought a new pair of jeans. Did you? Yeah. I haven't. I got some new socks. I need some new jeans. I think you got some new underwear. I did get some new You're forgetting new about some of the, you know, the basics.
1: Okay, okay.
0: We spent so, like $100.
1: Yeah, it probably <laughs> is. About $100, yeah. Over the course of two years. So we are substantially below average. Also, it does catch up to you. Like, we're going to have to start replacing stuff at some point. Yeah, it's
0: starting to wear out. We also are very fortunate to have received a lot of gifts in the form of clothing over time. That's true. We probably, well,
1: we actually probably do spend money on clothing because we give it as Christmas (laughs) gifts every year and then we get it as Christmas gifts every year. That's true. So it's a good system. It works out. But yeah, it's, uh, we definitely spend less than the average American on clothing. And I would, you know, take a long hard look at your budget if you're spending that much on clothing because you probably don't need to. You know, one interesting psychological phenomenon that I have read about, which just feels undeniably true, is called the spotlight effect, where we all, because we are the center of our own universes, we feel like we must be at least somewhat the center of other people's universes and so we have this imaginary spotlight on ourselves and think that people are paying so much attention to how we look and what we do and in reality nobody cares why because they have the same spotlight on them and they're just focused on themselves and what people think about them
0: so i'm not in the truman show like not everyone is just watching my all day every day
1: well i Care about you and watch you every day, but I don't
0: believe um, that for a minute.
1: No, you are not.
0: All right, well, good because (laughs) if my clothes and my sense of fashion are an expression about who I am and what I care about, I'm not really doing a good job of portraying that to the world. (laughs) It's fair. (laughs) If everyone were watching, maybe I would try harder.
1: Yeah. So if you are, you know, fretting a lot about what what you wear and how you uh, appear to other people, I would just turn that down a notch because the reality is nobody probably cares. You could probably get away with wearing the same, you know, handful of outfits. I mean, maybe like I would say about 10 outfits is a great number of outfits to have, like to go to work. If you rotate through those, nobody's going to care that they're seeing the same thing like every couple of weeks.
0: So I have the opportunity to work from home most of the time. And I had a call set up this week that was supposed to be with a customer and it got canceled at the last minute. And one of our directors was, was on the call and he sent an email saying, is this officially canceled? Because I'd love to switch back into my normal hoodie or flannel shirt <laughs> instead of this pressed one that I have on for, for the client, which, you know, I think it's about right. We, we, we try to be comfortable. That, that's what I try to do with my clothing. I, I like when other people do the same. Uh, it's certainly fun to get dressed up and, and to be fancy, which I feel like Rachel did here in her her nice red dress. Uh, turns out the dress she borrows from Aquafina was kind of a hit at the party. Everyone liked it. It was nice and fashionable. She she wore it well. Um, are they the same size? Was that actually going to work out with her just handing a dress over? I did like not that? pay
1: attention to that, but they look roughly the same. Yeah, I bet that would have worked out.
0: All right, just just wondering about that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dressing up, I am never super excited to get dressed up. I don't know. It's interesting. We've definitely moved away from that as a society in the time of COVID. And I wonder if it will really come back, if people will be, like, psyched to don their high heels again. Or if, I mean, even the M&Ms are not wearing high heels anymore, you know? So clearly, there's been a cultural shift.
0: You went there, huh?
1: I did. I did.
0: Well, so in the show, she goes to the party. She passes the part from a fashion standpoint, but she's not passing the part when it comes to building a relationship with the family. Like they are not welcoming her at all. She's getting the cold shoulder. She went to like the bachelorette party and some people put like a giant fish in her bed and just, you know. With Hased a sign her, on the like wall a, that said, oh yeah.
1: catch this, you gold digging bitch. Yeah, yeah
0: it was ruthless. Very ruthless. Um, which is crazy since, as we know, she is not interested in Nick for his money unless she's doing a really good job acting like she didn't know. Maybe that's what this whole thing's all about. <laughs> I think there were there were supposed to be a couple of sequels made, but those got put on the shelf. Maybe I'm sure the books have been written. They have been. Um, Do we find out in those that she actually... She knew the whole time? Is that the way that goes?
1: I have not read the sequels, but I assume not.
0: Okay. So the family has not fallen in love with her, even though she's head over heels for Nick, and they are really, really happy together. And she's just feeling the hate from her future potential Mm mother-in-law. And so she talks to Paiklin, she talks to Aquafina to try to figure out what to do about this, because it's just... She's, she doesn't seem like it's going to work.
1: Yeah, she's considering leaving Nick at this point because her the family just hates they her. They just won't accept her. Yeah.
3: You know, I bet if you told her you'd leave Nick for like a million dollars, she will write that check. They do that around here. She looked at me like I was nothing. Like a 10 million dollar check. I, I feel like she would do that.
2: You know, tell Nick I had food poisoning or something.
3: What? That's bullshit. You're just scared. I'm
2: not. You're right damn straight i'm right it's
3: fake land i'm always right
2: yeah she's like trying to play a game of chicken with me where she's like coming at me and like thinking i'm gonna swerve like a chicken but you can't swerve i'm not gonna swerve not for her no chickens are bitches dude and i'm not a chicken you're not a chicken you gonna
3: roll up to that way and you're gonna be like buck buck bitch Bok fuck bitch
0: fuck <laughs>
1: fuck bitch carla i mean it's just the perfect line. Do
0: you, do you think that was in the script? You, you read the book. Was this the line that Aquafina <laughs> just made up on the fly? And...
1: I feel like it was. I don't remember it in the book. And it has been like two years since I read it. But I feel like I would have remembered. Bok, bok, bitch.
0: Okay. Uh, I wonder if Rachel Wu was just like, I guess I got to go with this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I yeah, heard they both just deliver those lines very, very well. It's great acting. So do you think that Nick's mom would actually have written like a $10 million check to make Rachel disappear?
0: I mean, maybe she'd have haggled it down, but (laughs) it seemed like a $10 million check is uh, within the range of realistic money for her. It it sounds like it's a rounding error in that ludicrously wealthy family.
1: Yeah, we'd we'd never find out just exactly how much money the young family has, but they clearly seem like billionaires.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely possible for her to pull it off. I don't think she would. I think she would worry about alienating her child. If he ever found out, it'd be it'd be really really terrible.
1: Uh, so, should Rachel have taken the money, or should she have said? Should she have
0: asked for it? Yeah. Uh, gosh, I mean, no, right? Like you're you have one life. You don't have the opportunity to go uh, run a bunch of simulations and see exactly what's going to happen. But if you think your path to happiness is with uh, Swaggy P. Oh, uh, you can't go ask for this pool of money. I, I think that's crazy. Y- if you had that money, you know, she's an economics professor. I'm sure she would put it towards more charitable uses than the Youngs would with that specific set of $10 million. I'm sure the Youngs give tons of money to charity. If you're that wealthy, you probably are able to do that sort of thing. You know, Get your name on the side of a building. Uh, but
1: they clearly fritter a lot of money. So yeah, it is definitely possible that Rachel could put that money to better use if she were to basically extort it from the Youngs. But what an awful thing, even if she, you know, donates 100% of it to some fabulous charity, it would still just feel smarmy. And I don't think she would feel good about it for the rest of her life. And of course, it would mean Instead of saying buck buck bitch to the mom, it would mean (laughs) just giving up and, you know. Yeah, she should play that
0: game of chicken, see where it goes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's no need to give up on, you know, spending a lifetime with a man she really loves if that's, you know, she should fight for it. So I think she's doing the right thing for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, So if we take a historical look at things... You know, marriage was very much about maintaining family relationships and Mm -hmm. money and status. There were always, for for elite, super wealthy families or powerful families, if we're talking uh, different eras, marriages were, you know, they were matches made by the two families for a productive unification. There was some Mm -hmm. beneficial use for the broader family.
1: Yeah, maximizing power or maximizing wealth. And yeah, historically, instead of paying someone money to walk away, you would often pay to buy in, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: I'll
1: give you this much money if you'll marry my kid. So it was definitely even more so a financial arrangement in days of yore.
0: Yeah. So if we if we look more over the last century or so, you start to see more and more, you know, love based marriages where people are not looking specifically for the family unification or something that's, that's specifically done to improve the standing of the entire family. It's more just about you. And hopefully the marriage is uh, great for the whole family, but it's not done specifically with that in mind or led by the parents. Uh, I mean, it does happen some today still, but I don't know. How do you think that's changed the way that stuff works with super wealthy families like this?
1: I mean, it's such a gift if you are coming from a super wealthy family that you just don't have to stress about finances at all, right? So they're in like a perfect position to marry for love because you don't have to worry about what the other person is bringing to the table. You've got it all covered.
0: But you have such a legacy you have to worry about, right? You have to maintain the young name.
1: Yeah, but I mean, doesn't everyone think about that? Like everyone wants to marry somebody who... They can have like a happy, productive relationship with someone who's not going to like drag their reputation through the mud. I mean, I think that's not just a wealthy person problem. That's that's an everybody issue. You want to marry somebody who's going to bring nothing but good things to the family, not bad. Yeah, that's true.
0: I I thought the mom was kind of a hypocrite here. She wasn't accepted into the family immediately either. Right. They reveal in the movie that I think there's some family ring that wasn't passed on to the mom and that uh, the dad had to go get something himself and uh, because she wasn't accepted immediately by the grandmother, which I can kind of see why. She just isn't the nicest person. She seems kind of cold kinda and is terrible. Yeah. Um, the actress who plays her does a great job, by the way. But <laughs> At <That laughs> being terrible. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, I feel like her rejection of Rachel is just so hypocritical because was she ever really welcomed into the family herself shouldn't she want to make it easier for her for her potential grandchildren come on
1: yeah I mean I think that's not an uncommon phenomenon people pull the ladder up behind them you know they were able to get to to some really awesome place in life and now they're like yeah that's enough close the door (laughs) and from now on like we only want people of our own kind as she says to Rachel people of certain levels of breeding and wealth. So yeah, she's not my favorite Um, and that concept of pulling the ladder up behind you is just so awful and yeah completely hypocritical as you very correctly point out. So one thing I think we should touch on, certainly marriages used to be more about, you know, unification of families in order to maximize wealth or power but there's still very much a financial relationship today. They can be made less so if you have your finances completely separate, you know, it'd be a really good idea to get a prenup if you wanted to have that approach to it. Make sure that what's yours stays yours. And if somebody, you know, if you're marrying someone who has a lot of debt and you want to make sure that that stays theirs, you can do that. And I think that's a great option for a lot of people who love each other but are just not on the same page financially. But it's certainly great if you can find someone who is your financial soulmate and has a similar approach in terms of how much they feel comfortable spending, what you know, material things they really value in life, what non-material things they really value in life. So we have a great financial partnership and I value the heck out of it. It would be much harder for me to be married to someone who was like, I'm just going to go buy a super expensive sports car now because that's my thing, or this shirt isn't the latest style. I need to go buy anyone. You
0: You would have a hard time with a partner who spends an average American's clothing budget each year? <laughs> you, Is that what you're trying to say? I,
1: yeah, I probably would, honestly. Okay. I think it's a really good idea to think seriously about what financial page you are on in the book of life before you hitch your wagon to somebody for life.
0: Yeah, clarity. Just like Nick should have been clear with Rachel about mm-hmm. who his family is and who he is, in a more complete way. You should you should be open and transparent with someone that you're thinking about spending the rest of your life with.
1: Yeah, one thing we should note. So I think we've been talking about how crazy it is that he didn't reveal to her, you know, what his family had and what she was walking into. But also, like the, the biggest thing is that we learned that his family. Is expecting him to move back to Singapore like any day now to take over the family business and be like the new Mr. Young tycoon of Singapore and maybe he's gonna say no to that but he seems like he's at least on the fence about it so this whole life that he and Rachel have had together in New York was basically like a temporary fling for him and if he's actually gonna marry her She's gonna have this completely different life. So, that is the biggest reason I think why he really needed to be straight with her way, way earlier in the relationship. Like, look, I'm gonna have a lot of family pressure to so one, move, two, take a totally different job, three, like be this figurehead of a super wealthy family. And I don't know, what do you think about that? Right? Like that's a conversation they should have had. So yeah, pretty much ridiculous sooner. not
0: to share with someone that you're gonna move to the opposite side of the world.
1: Yeah. And basically become like a totally different human. Yeah. Yeah. Conversations should have been had.
0: So the movie centers around attending this wedding, and we see a fun clip here in a moment about the mothers of all of the people who are bride and groom aged and guests of the of the wedding there and talking about how lavish this party was.
3: Is this a church or a party field? They spent 40 million on the wedding. Really? That's too much. We're Methodist, 20 million is our limit.
0: <laughs> so surely there are several m- wedding-based movies or TV episodes or something that are gonna be much more centered around that than than this particular movie. So I don't think we wanna to go too deep on uh, wedding costs or any of that sort of thing
1: it's coming
0: yeah be be ready for it but <laughs> uh I, I love how she said is this a you know a paddy field or a church because the wedding man they decked out the place where they're holding this ceremony and it was beautiful if you're gonna spend 40 million dollars on a wedding you better deliver the yeah. kind of guest experience that <laughs> they are here
1: yeah it's be- like a rainforest in there that's why she says that it looks so beautiful
0: Yeah. Doesn't the bride like kind of walk down like a, like a creek or like a,
1: there's, there's
0: there's literal water on the floor, like a lot of it. Yeah.
1: Just before the bride walks down the aisle,
0: the aisle is like
1: a little bit, um, what's the word? Sunken? Sunken? Yeah. From the rest of the church and they fill the aisle with water slowly. There's flower petals floating on it and it's just like otherworldly, really, really beautiful. So yeah, if you're going to spend that much money on a wedding, you should do something cool, like flood the church in a pretty way. I know that sounds weird. I mean,
0: they have like a princess there and everything. I'm sure it lived up to her standards too.
1: I would hope so. I can't imagine anyone attending that wedding and feeling like it didn't live up to their standards.
0: So when I heard they spent $40 million on this wedding, my initial thought was Okay, this is a movie. This is realistic. What's the most expensive wedding that's that's ever really happened? And what I read was that in 2004, there was a $55 million wedding held in Versailles mm-hmm. uh, that just, I, I imagine, it was just gold-plated everything.
1: Yeah, that's the general <laughs> vibe of Versailles, gold-plated everything.
0: <laughs> I, I think I read that it was like a week-long set of festivities, that the, the family, I think there's like a thousand guests or something like that. that mm-hmm. they, they had basically rented out some huge hotel, super fancy place in Paris for all their guests to stay at while they were there for the wedding festivities. So, you know, it adds up fast.
1: That would add up pretty (laughs) darn quickly. Um, I don't think that's the most expensive wedding in history, though.
0: No. uh, Well, it's hard to tell, right? Like nobody really publishes the figures or exactly what counts as money spent on the wedding. But I, I did look into this as well. And my thought was, you know, Methodists are only gonna spend twenty million on the wedding. <laughs> and if you're gonna pick a denomination to go with, I think you might want to be a member of the Church of England, the uh, the Anglican Church, because it seems like they do weddings big time, like the Princess Diana wedding or the Kate Middleton wedding. Yeah. Those were those were big affairs.
1: Yeah. My what I saw was over a hundred million dollars.
0: And today's dollars, I assume.
1: Yeah, I assume so. So a lot, a lot of dollars being spent. And, you know, they had thousands of people come to that reception. and So it's definitely quite the affair. Oh, okay, so you mentioned the fact that it's um, Methodist, 20 million is their limit. <laughs> so we would not have picked up on this as people who have never been to Singapore or lived in Singapore. But apparently that is a joke that Singaporeans would understand because the Methodist church in Singapore is like the most lavish, wealthy church that they have. <laughs> so this is apparently a joke. They're like, oh, Methodists couldn't spend this much on a wedding, When, Oh, yeah, they could. Okay. Yeah. So that's a little insider note for you for, from Singapore.
0: All right. Well, next time I uh, make my way over to Singapore, I may have to check out a Methodist church.
1: Yeah. So like Robert said, we will delve more into just how crazy the wedding industry is and how much more expensive things get when you tell somebody it's for a wedding. Um, but I think we'll save that for another episode that's more wedding-focused. But $40 million for one evening's worth of time, whew, that, uh, that makes my heart hurt a little bok, bit. block, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the best use of money in my... I for- mean, not at all humble opinion. Yeah. It was a beautiful event, and hopefully everyone will remember this forever and ever and ever. So.
0: Yeah, the movie was beautiful. It was a spectacle. It was really cool how they did so much fashionable stuff and all the elaborate sets that they had. But, yeah, $40 million on a wedding. Oof.
1: Yeah, I wonder how much the wedding dress alone cost, which then got ruined because she walked through water.
0: I'm sure there were multiple so. wedding dresses.
1: I did read that the... The actual outfit that they made for the movie for her wedding dress, they made it waterproof because <laughs> she had to walk through down the aisle so many times. That Take just, seven yeah, and put on a brand new it. outfit. Yeah, couldn't do it in a soggy dress. Yeah, a lot of expenses to add up there. Waterproof wedding dress, flooding a church, turning a church into a paddy field. <laughs> lots, of, lots of things to tally up there.
0: Well... We hope you had fun listening to our episode today on Crazy Rich Asians. We had a good time watching the movie and talking to you all about it. And until next time, take care.
1: See ya.